you have received as faithful servants to God's kingdom and his grace in various forms. Thank you. So um, we don't always uh, introduce our uh, speaker before they speak on Sunday morning, um, but since David Hensley's preaching for us, wait, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> you all right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but since Paxton, Paxton Smith is preaching for us this morning, we wanted to take this opportunity to introduce him. Our college students know him very well. He's been part of the college group. Um, for several years and has worked with us. He and Skylar Murphy have worked with our youth group uh, this summer and it's been a joy to work with them. And uh, so Paxton is, is closing out his time with us this summer by preaching and you, you're not nervous. No. You're good. Um, this, will be, uh, this will be the third time I've heard the sermon. Uh, we sat down together as he was working on it. And then one of the highlights of this last week, uh, Jake and I sat in here on Thursday afternoon and Paxton preached to us. Um, and having that opportunity to sit with him and listen to that sermon and then have feedback and talk afterwards uh, has been one of the most, just one of the coolest things I've gotten to be a part of. So thank you for that. Um, but we want to pray. I brought David Hensley up here because uh, David and Paxton formed a great relationship. Uh, Paxton baptized David at camp. Um, and so I brought him up here, and I'm going to, I'll say the words, I'll pray, but I'm going to let you stand here next to him and, and be with him. And Paxton, <laughs> know that we love you, and uh, uh, we want to pray that all nervousness is gone <laughs> as you preach this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for this church that welcomes young people into its midst uh, and allows this place to be a place of training and encouragement and growth. And Father, I thank you for the fact that we learn so much more from them than we could ever give them. I thank you for Paxton's heart, for the way he has loved our students this summer and the way he loves his church, for the way he has helped David come to know Jesus. And Father, now this morning, I pray that you will give us gracious ears and open hearts as we hear his words and hear your words through him. Father, give him peace and confidence uh, as he speaks your word to us this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. <laughs> well, welcome. Um, just to start off, I do love this church. This church has been um, a great just learning and uh, awesome experience just with all the love and all the, the care for me and uh, with the youth, or with the college group and the youth group, um, and all the people around, um, I want to start. Um, past two years, I've been going to Angela State and been a part of Rams for Christ with Doug and Jerrica and the awesome group. They do an amazing job, outstanding, and I just I love the the growth and opportunities I've had there. And then, like Kevin said, this summer I've had the opportunity to be with him and Skyler with the youth group, and just uh, man, all of the amazing godly things going on. I've seen God work with the youth group and work with us and change me and make, allow me to grow. Um, and it's been a spectacular two years and I love every minute of it. Um, I'm going to start with a story and then we'll, I'll talk about what's going to happen. So about eight months ago, 
um, I, I work on campus. I have a job on campus, and I was walking to work in the library, and on my way there, uh, there's the door and a bench. This girl, as I'm getting closer, I can tell she is bawling. She is physically bawling her eyes out, and she's crying, and um, I don't know this girl. I've never seen her before. I don't know what happened. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know um, anything about her, but I can tell she is in pain. She is hurting so as I'm processing all of this and walking closer to her, I'm thinking, I need to go be there. I need to go be there with her and, and see, what's, see what's up, see what's happening, see if she needs me, see if I can do anything. Um, as I get closer and closer, it's bench and door. I go to the door, and I walk, and I go upstairs to the library, and on my, on my way up there, I'm just thinking, I needed to go there. I needed to be with her. I needed just to see if I could help her, and I... I missed it, and I hate that, and it, it bothered me for a long time, and I, um, God gave me grace and allowed me to um, be right with myself, and so it's not a pro- it's not it wasn't a life-altering problem, but I did feel like I needed to be there. Um, so then, this is, you know, part of my, the, the sermon, the story. What if I'm not here? What if I'm not here for you guys? What if I'm not here for the people that I know? the people that I care about, um, it would kill me to think I passed by someone who needs me, who I could have been there for them. And I just, I, you know, thinking about it and going over the past couple of weeks, I, I'm realizing I need to be here for the people I know, for the people I love. How often do you think you pass by somebody who's either physically crying or even crying on the inside, who just needs someone to comfort them, Someone just to listen to them. Someone to, you know, just tell their story with. This church does an amazing, outstanding job. And I, it's not unnoticed. And I do acknowledge the fact that we do a great job of being there. Being at Rush Street, Brazil, Medina, other mission trips. We do an amazing job of being there. How well do you think we are at being here? being here for one another, being here for those people who are internally crying, who need to be listened to, need help. Um, I picked this knock-knock, maybe for a little bit of imagery, maybe um, it's going to serve a couple purposes. I want to try something. When I say knock-knock, or when anybody says knock-knock, we think, yes, who's there? Um, so what I want to try, it's going to serve as two purposes. It's going to hopefully keep you engaged, keep you listening. Um, but also imagine and evaluate your life and your decisions. So instead of saying, who's there? I want you to make the mental transition and say, who's here? And then I want you to think, who is here? Who's here in my life that I can go to in times of need or in times of pain? Who's here in my life? that I can count on? And also, who am I here for? Who am I here when they need me, when no matter when, I can be here for them? Um, We do a great job of being there, but I think we can do a better job of being here. So as we go on, I'll say it a couple times, but when I say knock, knock, yes. So Sawyer read it, and Carson actually talked about it while we were at camp. Uh, in Genesis 3, I think I'm taking it in a little bit of a different direction. 
um, and it's moments before and after the fall, as Sawyer read. Eve had just been talking with the serpent, and she did. She tried to refuse the temptation. She said, we may eat the trees from the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. But she failed, as we heard. And it is because she's weak. It is because Adam was weak that they failed. It's because we're weak that we fail. Because life is taxing. Life is hard. It's so hard to stay on track and stay true to what God wants us to do all the time, 24-7. But that's what we need to do. Which is why we need those people in our lives here for us when times get hard. A couple verses later, she, uh, it says, The woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable from gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her. And he ate it. Then both of their eyes were open. Knock, knock. I put emphasis on who was with her. Because he was physically near her. And yet they still failed. He was not spiritually here for her. He did not have a godly presence in her life. Adam failed to step up. Failed to have that godly presence in in Eve's life. If either one of them would have done something different, who knows where we would be now? Because it's the two-way street. See, Eve has to be open and know that Adam is going to be there. She has to share her burdens, share her struggles with him, and let him know that she needs him. But Adam also has to be out looking for Eve, looking out for when she's struggling and when she's having the tough time to help stay on God's path. They both have to be working together, just as we have to work together to be here for one another. I think Peter writes it pretty well when he's talking to his church in 1 Peter 4, the first verse. Above all, love each other deeply, because love, love covers a multitude of sins. I have this problem, and I think a lot of us have this problem well, we, we sin, so that's one. We all sin. We all know we sin. But then I have this problem of looking down on people. Oh, those people have done those big sins. Those people have, oh, they sin a lot. They're down there. I'm better than that. And then there's those people, oh, they live godly, super Christians. They're selfless. They live on, in, in Africa. They do missions. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not there either. So there's us. We know we sin. There's me. I know I sin. I even have looked down on people because of some big sin I thought that I'm better than. Or the people like, I can't be that good. They're the super Christians. And I don't know why we do this. It's human nature for some reason to justify and to put ourselves up on a pedestal and say, oh, we're better than that. We're not that bad. We're here. We haven't done those big sins. We don't have, we don't, we don't feel like we sin all the time. And then oh, we justify our lives either to our friends, our family, or God and say, oh, we're not that good. They're, they're super Christians. You gave, you've given them more than me, so I'm fine here on this level. We have this imaginary caste system for some reason to justify our, our better behaviors or maybe even our worst behaviors when we're looking up. But this isn't the case. I mean, I think we all know that when God sent his son, Jesus, 
and he died on the cross, he leveled the playing field. Nobody's down. Nobody's up. We're level. We're even. God died. Jesus died for us. So if you sin once a week, maybe, maybe that's either a schedule, and it's not a schedule, but maybe we sin. <laughs> maybe we sin once a week. You have been forgiven. Christ died for you. Maybe it's once a day. You have been forgiven. Maybe it's ten times a day, and maybe it's one of those big sins. You have been forgiven. Christ has died for you. Uh, there's this song. I'll, I'll speak the lyrics and kind of dive into them a little bit. Um, it's a kind of maybe a children's song that they sing in Sunday school, but it goes like this. Jesus loves me. This I know. It's not because I have this feeling. It's not because my mother told me when I was a little kid, Jesus loves me, although those are both true. It's because the Bible tells me so. God wrote, he loves me. No matter what we do, God will always love us, whether we're serving others as we do, whether we're preaching the gospel or telling others about Jesus. Even after the big or little sins, God loves us. The next part of the song, Jesus loves me when I'm good, when I do the things I should. However, Jesus loves me when I'm bad. Though it makes him very sad, he doesn't love us any more. He doesn't love us any less. He continues to love us. Like I said, it's when we're at our highest, when we're at our lowest, God loves us. And when we sin, we're sinning against God. And he continues to love us. Why can't we, as the church, do this? See, repentance to God after we sin is completely necessary. But sometimes that's as far as we go, if we even go that far. We keep it bottled up. We keep it to ourselves because we're afraid of being judged or looked down upon because that's what we do. We're scared to, to let go and be open um, because we're scared. And so we keep it to ourselves and it builds on each other, balls up, gets bigger until it wrecks our life, until it physically gets us down. Whether we blow up at work, get in someone's face, we, we, all those bottled up feelings explode. And I think this happens. Whether it's happened or not, I think it's happening. But I'm going to suggest to us, to me, to y'all, if we had somebody in our lives we could confess our sins with personally, have a person that's going to be here for you when you need them, and you be there when, or you be here when they need you, to be released from the sins, to share your burdens, and instead of being judged, know that you are loved because none of us are perfect. Know that you are loved and help each other towards God's path and be here for one another. Knock, knock. Who is here for you? And who are you here for somebody else? Uh, Having a godly presence makes a huge difference. As we saw with Adam and Eve, he did not have that presence and they failed. When we're together, when we're here for one another, we are unified as a Christian community who is going to look out for one another, who is going to love one another. Because just as Peter said, love covers a multitude of sins. In verse 9, it says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. There's not a comma there. Do it without grumbling. 
Many of us have the gift of hospitality, and it's an amazing gift. People welcoming into their homes, people entertaining and um, being friendly with one another inside their house. And it's an amazing, great gift, and I've seen it used in God's kingdom in so many different ways. But I'm going to extend the idea of hospitality outside the house and into the body, so to speak. So just like a good home with a good host, we are welcoming people. We are comfortable people that invite others into our lives and available despite their flaws, despite our flaws, not because we're better than them for whatever reason, but because we know we're not perfect and we know we won't be judged and we recognize that God is here and God is with us and God has forgiven us. But of course, like I said, we can't forget without grumbling. Sometimes we hear someone's burdens and say, I can't believe they did that. I got to go tell my buddy. That's gossip. We can't do that. Or, wow, that's a terrible thing to do. I can't be around them anymore. That's not what we're supposed to do. As a church, as people who are here for one another, we are to listen We are to comfort in the painful times and reaffirm the fact that God has forgiven us and has taken away our sins. Can you be here for the person that needs you? Before I get too far and before I forget, this isn't the job of the elders or the ministers because frankly they can't do it alone. Each and every one of us sitting around the entire room needs that person in their life and I think needs to be that person in somebody else's life, to have that godly presence, to be there for that person when they're in need. And yes, I do think one of those people should be a spouse, should be the person that you're spending your life with and open up and share and have that godly presence. But as a church, I think it needs to be more than that. I think you need someone in your life to open up with, to get real, share your burdens, confess your sins with someone else, and share your burdens and know and love each other. Maybe it's a close friend that you've known forever. Maybe it's that couple that has guided you or influenced you in one way or another. But we need to be, have those people that we've committed to, verbally committed to, to be here for one another. So often I see and I, I hear that you know, I, I believe it's a problem. We come to church with our Sunday face on, and someone greets us, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. When that's just a lie. <laughs> I don't know why we do that. Um, are we scared to get real? Uh, are we, do we think keeping it to ourselves will somehow benefit us or help us in some way? I love this part. You see, when we're comfortable enough and open enough to confess our sins, Not only do we release them from ourselves and we release the burdens, but the people we're sharing with have this beautiful, amazing opportunity to show God's love, to show love themselves, and to know that we are cared for and we are loved. But if we don't tell them, if they don't know, how can they do that? As I was going over my notes, I was thinking about a bunch of different things and Um, when it came to this part, I was thinking maybe it's that group of women who go walking in the evenings. It's the time where, hey, this is on my heart. I need to share this. We need to pray. Maybe it's a group of men who go golfing on the weekends. Um, We've asked who is here, and I hope 
all of us have someone in our lives that is here for us. And I hope that we're all here for somebody else. To have that godly presence. To know that we are forgiven and we are loved. We asked who is here. Where is here though? Here isn't right next to someone because like Adam and Eve we saw you can be near but not here. You can be next to someone and not be there for, the, some, for them. So here is a place of openness and trust and love. So maybe it's on that walk. Maybe it's on that golf course. But maybe it's 20 or 30 minutes before church where you sit down and open up and know and recognize the, a relationship that needs to be here. Maybe it's, after, maybe it's on lunch. You recognize, hey, we need lunch and I need to confess and open up. Maybe you get together before work one day and get breakfast. Here, it doesn't matter where here is. As long as you're not just near, you're here. In verse 10, each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I think we hear this all the time. Use your gifts. God has given you gifts. And I know that's true. And I know all of us try and we do that. And it's not for It's not necessarily for us. It's for God's kingdom. So maybe it's the gift of joy, of love, encouraging, teaching, giving, service, mercy. The list continues to go on and on. And we all know, and I think we all have an idea of what our gifts are. Maybe God gave them to us to use in our professions or to use as the people around us. Um, But God doesn't make junk. He is ready to use you. You just have to be here. Just as 1 Peter 4, 8 starts, above all, love each other deeply. If we can truly, genuinely love one another, have a godly presence, and be here for one another, not only, I know for a fact, do we grow closer as a community, but our relationship with God strengthens. Our relationship with one another strengthens. Not only are those relationships getting stronger, but we are setting our sins free when we share our burdens, when we confess our sins. And when that space is empty, it is filled with God's love and the love of others. On Wednesday nights, we've been going through a series by Francis Chan, and he said something a couple weeks ago that really connected with me. Um, He said something along the lines of, we hear these sermons, and we hear Bible lessons, and we read about them, whether in the morning or the night, or when we read the Bible. We get Bible studies together and talk about, what does this mean? How can or could it change our lives? Um, We learn them in different languages. Um, We recite them in Greek and Latin. We tell our friends what we've learned, and all of these things are amazing and great. But I want to say they mean absolutely nothing if we don't do anything about it, if we don't change our lives, we don't change our daily actions, we don't let God come into our hearts and do something with us. Knock, knock. Right now, I'd like everybody to take a pen or a pencil. Maybe it's your your phone app, uh, your notes. I want you to do something for me. Um, I want you to write down two names. Two names of people that you know, uh, maybe you have a good relationship with, you've, you've, you have those, those lunches or whatever, but you're not, you're not really real with them. 
I want you to write down these names and later verbally commit to have a relationship day or night. You can call, you can text and say, I need you. I need you to be here for me and you also verbally commit that you will be here for them. Whether it's a struggle, a burden, a sin, uh, something on your heart, just something you can share, open up with, let go, and have a godly presence and let them know that you are here for them and that they should be here for you too. Can you imagine what this church would look like if every single member had someone in their life that they could count on when temptations come? When life gets hard, when we've sinned, can you imagine all of the new things we could accomplish when we no longer feel judged by our sins, but we know we are loved and we know we are forgiven? I strongly encourage you to find this person, um, whether it's right after church or over lunch, maybe you give them a call later, but I do suggest and I do encourage that you do this relatively soon Because like Eve, we don't know when temptations will come. We don't know when we'll be hit with something hard. And we need those godly people, those relationships that will be here for us. And they will be here when we need them. And we will be here for them. Um, We're about to sing a song and we're about to to close up. So as we do that, um, I just want us to think, knock, knock. Knock.